going on, ladies and gentlemen? It gives me great pleasure to welcome you back once again to Fighting Fire with Fire, the AJ Rose Show. At time of recording, it is 2.35 p.m. on Thursday, February 7th, 2019. And next to me, on the couch, in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, he's back again. It's Mr. Alex Tremino. Alex, I had the people. Buenas tardes a todos. <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. We're not doing a Spanish-language podcast. That'd be, that'd that's, be that's, a great goal somewhere down the line to do an all-Spanish podcast. In any case... As we are potting between 2.35 p.m. and, say, 3.15 p.m. today, it is the NBA trade deadline is going to pass. So if some blockbuster trades happen in real time, we will try our best to talk about them. But first, before we get to the NBA trade deadline, not only do I have to sneeze potentially in a couple seconds, but we have to talk about Super Bowl 53 and the New England Patriots winning their sixth, sixth Super Bowl title by defeating the Los Angeles Rams 13-3 on Sunday. Chimmy... I think that the prevailing thought throughout the nation, whether it's among Patriots fans, Ra- Patriots fans, Rams fans, or casual fans, is that this game was a bit of a snoozer. But per <laughs> usual, you have some pushback and some devil's avocado to play about that statement. So do you have a rebuttal to the, pre- the prevailing thought and my thought that that game was really d- uh, dull? Well, the prevailing thought in the United States is that Rihanna has talent, so I'm not... Oh! Let's, not let's not use what? that. Let's Let's not use that let's, as some sort of... Let's come the, back to that another time, because I will, not, I will not have you, I will not have you besmirch Rihanna's I name on this podcast. I will Rihanna for hours at a time. A, a, I love Riri. We work, we're work, not work, doing. We're not. We're not doing this right now. We're straight up not doing this about Rihanna right now. Fair Talk enough. about the Patriots and the Rams. Enough. This was a Fair game enough. that featured a whopping 16 points, one touchdown, love and it. in the end, a 13 to three win for Bill Belichick. Love His, me some and- Bill Romanowski ball. <laughs> I love it. Why were you entertained by this game? Defensive game. Defensive games have facets to them that granted you have a point that the average casual fan might not either appreciate understand or whatever it it might be that they just want to see touchdowns they want to see interceptions whatever it is I mean we live in a society of premature ejaculators so I mean I'm just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cave to the idea that just because that there weren't points there wasn't any excitement to be had in the game. The one thing I will say before we get into that conversation, though, is there certainly is a difference in the excitement level of any Super Bowl, not particularly this Super Bowl, but But any any Super Super Bowl, Bowl. if you're a casual fan and you are not either A, rooting for the Patriots, or B, rooting for the Rams. So that's that's one point. So if you just want to see a shootout between, but the funny thing about that is not just a, is the fact that there wasn't a ton of points and that there was a ton of defense. The one thing I I feel like when oh if somebody says oh it was a snooze fest you know I don't think it was a very exciting game. The number one thing that probably robbed you of an exciting Super Bowl was that horrific blown call by the NFL in the NFC Championship was, game. Was the because if that doesn't ha- if that doesn't thing. happen, and especially from the standpoint of Tom Brady, he's never played Drew Brees in a big game. Yeah, not they, that I can think of. So they played. Whoops. They uh, see it's not truly a fighting it fire with fire happens. podcast it unless happens. I get a text message. It was message. Hutch the last time. So it was. <laughs> you're probably not going to listen to this Hutch, but. <laughs> Fuck you for interrupting my first podcast of all time. <laughs> Thanks, Hutch. Shout out, Hutch. Shout out, Hutch. Um, the the idea that uh, 
this would have been a more exciting game if it was Brady versus Breeze and that the Saints probably would have scored more than three points uh, is a, a valid one. The Patriots and Saints played each other in the 09 season in a game that was relatively big. This was, I think, a week or two after uh, the Pats-Colts 4th and 2 game where the Colts came back on the Patriots. Sure, sure. The next week, the Saints demolished them in New Orleans en route to their Super Bowl title. But I year. would also argue to you that you would have a hard time convincing me that there is anyone who has had more success in his career against Tom Brady than Wade Phillips. And so in my opinion, it's the, Patri- the Patriots true. would have scored a lot more points as well. So you would have had more of a shootout game. But I think more than less than the... Shout out Wade Phillips, man. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but more than the the points aspect of it, I think you would have had a much better story of someone who Drew Brees, Drew Brees definitely gets talked about as a top quarterback of all time, but he does so very, very quietly. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't dominate the airwaves. He doesn't dominate ESPN. He gets shown, you know, throwing for 500 yards every game. And he, frankly, he throws for an absurd amount of passing yards. But... That would have been the true narrative of that game is that finally you're going to see Brady against Breeze. And it would have been more of a. It would have been more of a recap of a period of, of time. Brady's in career or of Breeze's career if one of them had come out on top against the other one. But it was kind of silly because you woke up the next day and then everyone's on the radio having a conversation and is, oh, is Brady the greatest football player of all time? You had the same conversation last time. Did you forget about the Falcons game when he was down 28-3 to with a quarter left? Yes, he's the greatest player of all time. Um, uh, do you think uh, that this sort of dulls the, the bright of Sean McVay and his his two years uh, sort of taking over as the the next one the next great coach in the NFL does it does it take away from him at all he has to learn like any other coach and I think that oftentimes it's overlooked when you watch NFL games during the regular season and you don't realize that teams can be very very effective in what they're trying to do e.g giving the ball to Gurley on either wide runs, pitches, screen passes where he's really, really effective. And teams are very comfortable doing the things that they do, but you'd be surprised any NFL team, once what they do effectively is shut down, how much they can struggle. And that's really common. Unless you're the Patriots. (laughs) Well, unless you're the Patriots, but then again, there you go. You have a core group of quarterback, coaches, play callers, personnel who have been there together for so long that they can go to a hotel room the night before with no pads and their pajamas on and run play run through plays they've never done before there in their entire lives and then execute them the next day in the Super Bowl. That's not common. So but then again football is football is a system game. So if you want to I still don't think you've made a, a a good argument about why the game was entertaining. I do Enjoy the fact that Ryan Allen and uh, Johnny Hecker, the two respective punters for the Patriots and Rams, were just showing off. Just showing out. A couple of uh, the punts hitting the three-yard line and bouncing straight up was pretty exciting to me. Obviously, Stephon Gilmore's interception was great. Brady's interception on the first drive was exciting. Uh... I just, I just, and of course the touch, the only touchdown drive of the game, Brady was lights out and had a couple of nice passes to Gronk. Gronk makes what I think is going to be his last game and his last sort of moment as an NFL player. Uh, I just, just what, what do you think makes this game more exciting than say 
we were talking about this on Twitter. We were going, there was beef. There was beef thrown around <laughs> that night on Twitter uh, about what, what makes this more exciting than, say, the Seahawks-Broncos game from a couple years ago where the Seahawks smacked around the Broncos uh, like 43-8. to eight. So that's, a de- that's an easy call right there. So I was going to just say I haven't gotten to the part where I was sort of explaining right. <laughs> why I think it was so exciting, but you actually, I think you kind of just walked into right. a trap a I, little bit there. Right, so, no, so the I'm problem, setting you up here. The problem with the Seahawks-Broncos game is that it held your attention for about a quarter. Mm. Because by the time you get to the second quarter, the Broncos were getting blown out so badly that the next three quarters of the game were just seemed to be a waste of time. Mm. But I will admit that the game was for the game was for a football purist. Mm-hmm. And so the night before the Super Bowl, I had sat through. Shout out Bill Barnwell because he writes the most I, extensive I articles so about everything that's going on on both <laughs> sides of the team. But it's one of those chess match games where if you don't understand some of the deeper details about football, then you're going to struggle to enjoy exactly what's going on in the field. So if if you're not aware what a zero blitz is or how a Wade Phillips 3-4 defense works or how his base defense shifts based on like things like 11 personnel or 21 personnel and all these fascinating things that so Bill Barnwell's writing about this. Or the Patriots coming out on that touchdown drive. So one, doing- of the, one of the biggest things is he was explaining how the night before how one of the biggest people in the game, in the Super Bowl, in his opinion, and this proved to be true to a great extent, was James Devlin. Because the Patriots have these two different personnel packages, and he was explaining how every single time James Devlin comes onto the field, the way that Wade Phillips runs his 3-4 defense, which looks like a 5-2 defense because he basically has two linebackers that look like defensive ends on the edge. Yeah. The way that he runs that base formation and the way that he shifts out of it, he was explaining how James Devlin could be easily used to identify either man or zone coverage from Wade Phillips' defense. And I'm sitting there watching for it the whole game, and I'm all of a sudden, James Devlin comes in. I'm like, oh my God, he's right. Look at it, look at it. And I was like, oh shit, they're in zone. And that's what happened. That's what happened on the first play of the game is that Brady thought he saw a man and he didn't do a good job of identifying it, and they were actually playing uh, a deeper zone coverage. And then he threw well, he he threw up a duck, but he also he, <laughs> he, he did throw a turkey. He, yeah, he, man. But he, and he again, he threw it right in into zone coverage. Yeah. But those types of things are exciting to a football purist who's sort of into those things. And if you're not into those things, then then fair enough. But at least comparatively to the Seahawks Broncos game, it's or any a game give, that's or any keeping, given blowout. It's keeping you on the edge of your seat for all four quarters of the game, which I personally prefer to to a blowout. Right. So like you didn't know who was going to win the game until the Patriots, while they're trying to kill the clock, get a couple of those huge backbreaking runs. That's when the game gets decided. Like, and that's with a couple minutes left. Totally. Absolutely. So, in terms of knowing who's going to win the game, you're saying that helps it be entertaining despite the lack of points. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. That's I, I'm glad that you explained a bunch of those things and uh, got a little inside baseball there, inside football. That was good. Yeah. I am glad for no seriously for someone who doesn't talk about these things that much and is like, oh man, the Patriots went uh, two tight end, two running back, and then threw out of it and had all these big people spread wide on the last touchdown drive. There you go, like, ladies. What do we? Right there, yeah. you go, ladies and gentlemen. AJ Rose knows how personnel packages I, work. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. I, I can fake it till I make it. At yeah, least I, I can't talk about it the way I can talk about basketball. By the way, it's two forty six now. We are fourteen minutes away from the NBA trade deadline. So, in the wake of Brady and Belichick winning their sixth 
title together. Their sixth Super Bowl out of nine Super Bowls that they've appeared. Where do you think that uh, Brady ranks? I, I, I don't think it's a discussion about him versus other football players now. I don't think that can be a discussion anymore. Um, that he's had the best career any football player has had or ever will have. I just, I just don't see anybody touching six rings, nine Super Bowl appearances, 31 playoff wins, whatever it is, 30? I think it's 31. Yeah, whatever the number is. Yeah. Nobody is touching that. And where does Brady rank among the best athletes from 1990 to now, like the last 30 years? Because I think that's a more fun discussion. And kind of an impossible one. It is. That's that's it right there. It's is an impo- it? it's an impossible discussion. And you you get to a point where you can only talk about levels of success and overall accomplishments because the sports are just simply too different. And yeah. so for football, people constantly accuse Brady of being, oh, well, he's a, a system, system quarterback. Right. Well, football is a system game. So everything from defensive coordinators to coaching to particularly just the difference between offense and defense. In basketball, you have to play offense and defense. In baseball, you have to play offense and defense. Football is one of the few games where you play your position just like any other sport, but there's also times where you have to sit on the sideline and just not do anything at all, and you're at the mercy of the other half of your team. Yeah. And so that goes, again, to you know something we'll talk about with, with Belichick as well, but there's a huge... Tom Brady didn't have to play as... He did not play as well on Sunday as he did in the Super Bowl against... The Falcons or the Eagles. The Eagles is what I meant to say. Tom Brady put in easily... You can argue about the circumstances of of the Falcons game, but from a sheer statistic standpoint, the Eagles was one of the greatest games he's ever played played in his entire life. And Belichick and Patricia put up a (laughs) 41-burger, and then there was... It's, it was kind of an ironic twist to last year's Super Bowl because it's even more incredible than holding the Rams to three points was the fact that the Super Bowl before, nobody punted. No, no yeah, one, one punt. punted. One punt. The, the Eagles, was it the, the Eagles punted one time? The, yeah. The Eagles punted I, one time. I was under the impression that nobody punted, but even still, regardless, still close regardless, enough to... It was the most yards from scrimmage in the history of any NFL game. Exactly. And you couldn't have a more different Super Bowl. I, the biggest loser of Super Bowl 53, Matt Patricia. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> uh, I think, and, and unlike someone like Usain Bolt or Michael Phelps, who just have to go out there and swim faster or run faster than the other person, exactly. they don't have to. Yeah. It's it's a different, it's a whole different yeah. thing uh, than Brady trying to outmaneuver the eleven guys on the other yeah. side of him, and then sitting there and letting the defense try and play. Yeah, it's, it's so a a, again, thing. you just you're basically just you're comparing accomplishments across sports because that's really the only thing that you can do because those accomplishments are achieved in different ways. Whereas Michael Jordan is easily one of the most freakish athletes of all time because he was maybe two-thirds the size of LeBron in terms of like height and weight. But in football, you don't get rewarded for sitting in the film room for weeks at a time like right. Brady does. Other sports don't reward you that way where when you're the quarterback of the team, you basically have to you're quarterbacking a team. You're the general of troops yeah. out on the field. And those types of things are the things that separate Brady from everybody else in the NFL. Because you can t- oh, Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen in which, my whole which life. Which he is, and I say all the time. Sure, but he's playing football. He's not right. playing basketball, and he's not coachable, and he doesn't sit in the film room the way that Brady does. And his there's his coachability and his effort and his ability to comprehend the game of football is reflected in the amount of championships that he has, and that's <laughs> the same. That's less than Eli Manning. So 
I'm, you know, love I'm, love stuff. Like football, that. Football's love football, football, basketball, basketball, baseball, baseball. I mean, tra- he's, he's track and swimming or track and swimming. In terms of accomplishments, it's it's him. Uh, Honestly, it's. It's, have, it's him and Jordan. I'm not going to sit here and put him above Michael Jordan because I'm just going to sound like some freakish Bostonian. <laughs> but it's to a level. I mean, who has who has more championships than six in basketball? In, t- in terms of Bill Russell has eleven. Bill and Russell they went eleven and thirteen, and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah. won six. The the NFL equivalent in or the NBA equivalent of having six Super, Super Bowls has got to be like having like fifteen or sixteen NBA championships. <laughs> I mean, Terry Bradshaw has four. Um, some lineman, Charles Haley. Yeah, Charles Haley on the Cowboys has five. Cowboys but it, and that's, it's not the same. Yeah. It's just not the same. Uh, does, is that the best performance of Belichick's career? Easily, hands down. Not, not Be- better than shutting down the greatest show on turf in the first Super Bowl. Uh, yes, it's better. It, it right. is better. I'm the. It, it's a. T- it, it's a. It's a tough. <laughs> they ball. were fourteen point underdogs. Fourteen point underdogs. Fourteen point underdogs. I've never. I've never heard. I've never heard in my entire life of a team that averages thirty three points yeah. in the regular season and in the playoffs yeah. to be held to three points in a playoff game or the su- playoff game Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. That is, it, yeah, it's absurd. Um, uh, did all right. There you go. So so you don't so you don't blame casual fans for not enjoying it. This was a game for football purists. I think you did a good job uh, parsing that out. We talked about Brady. We talked about Belichick. I think they're the best coach player combo. Of any coach player combo Easily. ever for in sure. any sport, for sure. Your teams, teams as a whole, are not punished for success in any sport the way that you are in the NFL. There's no question about it. People, t- you can. Everyone it, talks about it after every single Super Bowl that Brady wins. It's the Salary least replicable cap, free thing. agency. Yeah. It's completely. It's not replicable in any way, shape, or form. And so it's it's, it's uh, on another level. And now we shift to the NBA. Not only because it is two fifty two p.m. and we are eight minutes from the eight deadline. Minutes away. Oh, we're eight on Twitter. Away. We're on Twitter. We're on Twitter. <laughs> Riveting podcast radio. I'm trying to update this and see what the heck is going on. But <laughs> been crazy. So the Woj bomb tweeted 10 minutes ago that Orlando is trading for Markel Fultz. I just don't care. Let's move you on. You don't care? No, Mar- dude, I can't Markel talk to you Fultz? about Mar- Markel Fultz. I feel awful for Markel Fultz. Um, in any case, the... One the thing NBA, I will say really quickly. Saying? What are you saying? What are you saying? I have a decent opinion of my own sports. I have a. I view myself <laughs> highly for my sports yes, opinions. Yes, God, I was so wrong about Mark Markel Fultz. I'll admit it. I'm not going to be the guy who sits here. It's like, yeah, take Tatum, take Tatum. No, I wanted them to draft Markel Fultz. So did I. I was totally in. I was totally in on them. Somebody said Markel Fultz on ESPN, and then I went on YouTube and, and watched the highlight was, views of and he was just nasty. Him, going, him going coast to coast and dunking nasty. on people and Washington. Yeah. Man, I was. Ready and then my dad. Credit to Charlie Rose, who takes credit for a bunch of things he does should not. Yeah, yeah. Of course. God bless him. I love him. He's the best dad ever. One thing in my defense said, is that I hate Duke so much. He that said. I won't watch he said, "Man, Duke. I want the Celtics to draft Jason Tatum." Really? He really, yeah. truly said I won't that. Watch he said, "I'd love them to have Tatum." Duke. And he was so excited yeah. when they traded uh, down to the three pick and got Tatum. All right. Uh, so the NBA, this this trade deadline stuff, this Anthony Davis stuff has been bananas. Uh, it's it's kind of sw- uh, 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 swallowed up all these other things, and so my question for you is, Jimmy, did do you think that the Super Bowl mattered less this year, and that the NBA kind of took a bunch of airspace and and headlines from Super Bowl week and the wake of the Super Bowl? Yeah, so you can you can throw out, oh yeah, sure, lowest yeah. Ra- lowest rated Super Bowl in, in ten, 10 years. years, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, but. 
and people are just sick of the Patriots, and that's fine. That's not a problem. I, I, I don't blame anybody I, for being, anybody outside of New England for being sick of the Patriots. I, I wake up a happy man every single morning <laughs> thinking about the 44 states in the Union that just despise Tom Brady and wish that he would just get hit by a bus. I... I buy into the notion of sports hate more than anyone else you've probably met. Yes. Hate drives sports for me. Uh, I don't – I really do not like uh, 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 venomously hate anybody in sports for sports on-field things. I can't. Not, I, yeah, not I even, do. Not I, even, I really not, do. You really do. I, I can't, hate, I can't hate Eli Manning. I can't hate LeBron. I can't hate your least favorite soft boy, Kevin Durant. I can't hate anybody. I can hate, as you know, the person I hate most is Mitch McConnell, who we'll get to. This is true. That's, that's, <laughs> but that's but a, that's a whole different thing. thing. Sports hate. I actually it, don't it's, dislike. It's reserved for somebody like Floyd Mayweather who beats up women. Like, that is someone I can sure. venomously okay, hate. Fair, not, fair enough. Not... That's, Eli Manning or Kevin Durant or LeBron or... I actually don't... I don't dislike Eli Manning. I Now it's sort of become... It's not even begrudging respect. I just respect him. Like, you beat the greatest... The only reason why I can't call them the greatest football team of all time is because Eli Manning beat them. Yeah. And for somebody with a 45 IQ who can't speak English <laughs> to beat the greatest football team in history, I'm going to give him his due uh... credit. You have a good pass rush. You, su- you should have gotten absolutely buried in the backfield and you didn't you did some little ballerina twirl and heaved it up there you heaved it up there and the biggest hypocritical shit talker of all time rodney Rodney harrison Harrison, who loves to talk about how good he is on tv couldn't even knock a fucking football off the side of a guy's helmet i'm gonna give i'm gonna give you your due credit for it and then you threw it the manningham throw is a dime threw it even that is that is 11 cents I thought the I even, of a throw. I, it wasn't the hardest throw in the world, but I all, I have a little bit more respect for the Plexico Burris throw because I think he was almost a, under a little more pressure. Where it's like, okay, I've got the to score a so touchdown open, right, right now, and then he just throws a dime to him. I mean, he was. So I, I, I want to keep talking about NBA stuff, and so it di- it did it did swallow. It's the NBA has thing has drama and things to talk about and everyone's just sick of listening to Tom Brady say anything because to shit on Tom Brady a little bit Tom Brady doesn't say anything all Tom Brady does is he goes to the podium and he goes you know I'm just really blessed to be here we're still here my wife and kids this and that they shit on him on 985 oh uh, yeah can we can I can I say he, just, he doesn't say anything of substance when he's interviewing it is it is One of the reasons I don't begrudge anybody in the country outside of New England for hating the Patriots is because that hatred is even more about New England fans than it is the Patriots. Because I was talking with friends Monday night, the night after they won the Super Bowl, and my buddy, uh, after after having a few, brought up the fact that he thinks Josh McDaniels is overrated and went into a tirade about that. And I was like, they just won the Super Bowl last night. What are we doing? They just won their sixth Super Bowl. And they're talking about how Josh McDaniels is overrated. Like, can we enjoy the 12th championship across the four major sports in the last 20 years? I'm actually, can we be, like, happy, please? I'm I'm actually glad that you said that because I'm gonna Please. I'm gonna dive back into my NFL brain for a quick second here to shit on that friend of yours who I don't know who he is or, or and, what and he said. I, but yeah, I also was like, also you're completely wrong. Josh McDaniels is a beast. I hope that he at some point listens to this podcast because that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. He was getting granted he was getting shit on by Wade Phillips for three quarters, and he the offense wasn't able to do anything, and they figured out. 
He ripped up the playbook. He made up a brand new play on the spot where he splits out four wide receivers. Right. And then the two middle receivers run seams. And then the two outside guys run hooks. And then it leaves a Mike linebacker in the middle of the field to deal with Julian Edelman, who's the quickest player on the field, and you and you can't do it. So they hit Edelman, then they hit Burkhead, and then they, they ran the play four times in a row because <laughs> he's like, okay, we're just going to make up a play on the spot because nothing's working, and this is what I'm going to, this is how I'm going to isolate Wade Phillips' middle linebacker. So he makes up the play on the spot, and then once he realizes that it works, he just runs it four times in a row. And the fourth time that he runs it, Gronk finally gets free enough in the seam, and then Tom Brady shows flashes of, again, you know, being the greatest throw of a football you've ever seen because that was up there uh, with, the, a really, really nice with the Brandon LaFell throw in terms of he like he dropped it in a bread basket. Are we talking tri- about the LaFell tri- Ravens throw? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Oh. But yeah, but then in the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl, Tom Brady's having a bad game, and then he throws a dime into the bread basket into triple coverage. Right. And But that's all Josh McDaniels, and so I'm not going to— Yeah. I appreciate you. I'll going respond on. to that in this podcast, but if I were drunk and in a bar, I would just <laughs> I would shut down. I would cease to I would cease to converse with that individual who's just talking that, utter utter yeah, just, nonsense. Just right out of his All right. So uh do you think now, in this era of the NBA, in twenty nineteen, that the NBA is more about the games and the drama of who's gonna win the championship, or it's more about the player movement and the offseason and the trade deadline and the draft and all the non-game things and the and the media and the information going back and forth and what is real and what is just a rumor and what the hell is going on day to day. Which which is it more about? Uh, that's actually kind of a hard question to answer. I mm-hmm. feel like the NBA has done a good job of taking the mantle of the 24-hour news cycle from the NFL. Mm -hmm. Big time. If you think about 2012 to 2015, 2016, you couldn't shut up. No one could shut up about the NFL. You turn on ESPN during the offseason at 10 o'clock in the morning, and there's like Field Yates and Mel Kiper Jr. just talking bullshit at 10 o'clock in the morning. And the only reason that they're showing that television program at that time is because there's people at home watching Right, it. right. And so I think that they lost a little bit of that mojo. I think it's a combination of the NFL. They did a bad job handling scandals. They did yep. a bad job handling the kneeling thing. Yeah. They did a bad job. Goodell does a bad job in perpetuity. Mm. So... I hate, I despise Roger Roger Goodell. Yeah. But I think he does a good job at his job. In terms of taking the heat off the owners? I'm of the opinion that the only job that, privately, the only job that Roger Goodell has is to make the owners money. Right. That's the only job that he has. Right. And he can look bad for a while. He can look inept. He can, you know, set fire to a Patriots practice tape. Or he can... <laughs> Dole out the most absurdly uneven punishments for what he gave Ray Rice two games. No, Ray Rice is one, but then same thing. I I I I would bet a lot of money that he saw some kind of video of Kareem, Kareem Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, no and, question. And and so he can look bad during all those things, but as long as he sort of navigates the ship through troubled water and he manages to keep the the ratings high, he's never going to lose his job. And this was, I think, from a ratings and revenue perspective. This was a pretty good year for the NFL. There wasn't too many scandals. 
excuse me, Kareem Hunt blew it up in the middle of the year, but that even that tended to fade relative, relatively quickly. There wasn't a ton of kneeling drama, but then again, it, it seems to already have lost its luster of people just can't... The NFL fantasy obsession was just there for a while. Yeah. But going back to the NBA, I think they've done a good job of... Taking the 24-hour mantle. Yeah, exactly. And so people tend to follow the trade deadline, and I'm not a massive NBA fan, so you would (laughs) be able to speak to this a lot more than myself. But I do think that they have sort of gotten people riled up. What's Kyrie going to do? What's Anthony Davis going to do? So this this leads us into the conversation. We have a couple different NBA topics I want to cover here. But one of the things is your your least favorite soft boy, Kevin Durant, uh, talked about how... In the dictionary. In the the dictionary under soft boy. Whatever the uh, whatever, who, whatever who, the opposite of Hardo is I, is I, Kevin Durant. I I find myself defending Durant uh, uh, in spite of the fact that I do agree that he is uh, uh, a sensitive guy and he cares too much about what other people think of him. I, I agree about that. I find myself defending him because when he says in his press conference yesterday that he just wants to go to the gym and play ball and not get asked about uh, uh, free agency and the Knicks and the offseason and stuff that he may or may not have interest in. He just wants to focus on this season, that he's not totally wrong and that the media reporters, sports stations, sports radio stations uh, uh, have a vested interest in uh, uh, stirring the pot as much as they can because people love talking about it and it gets people to listen to radio stations and watch television shows about the NBA. It gets them to watch the jump. It gets them to watch whatever because and and therefore it makes the NBA more revenue. And why should Durant care about the NBA hype train when he is just trying to play ball? Oh, the media, the media. <laughs> <laughs> the media's out to get me. Well, the media. So, so you're saying it is when when Kevin Durant signs contracts with Look. NBA teams and he agrees to be a player in the NBA. That part of what he agrees to is to deal with the media's questions, no matter how ridiculous they might be. Kevin Durant can't move his lips without being a punk bitch. <laughs> like, if I was, I can't believe the only person that's more of a bitch. Then Kevin Durant is that guy at the Warriors game who like sat down and cowered in fear when Kevin Durant went over to him and said, sit down, shut the fuck up and watch the game. Like, what are you going to do? What are you out there like yelling at fans? Like, Kevin Durant is the biggest bitch I've ever met in my entire life. And you haven't met him. <laughs> that's true. That's fair enough. I should use different words. I feel like I, every single time he says anything he has to complain or act like he's the victim or act like the whole world is against him if you want to just play basketball that's totally fine take you and a couple of your friends and go to some random gym in sacramento and play in an empty gym in a non-televised game where you don't have to talk to the media and i'm sure someone will pay you 14 25 an hour to go ahead and do so you have to talk to the media the fact that people are willing to take their time and talk about the game and put television programs on ESPN that people will watch and interview guys after the game and convince people to sell jerseys and sell t-shirts because they give a shit about the NBA is the reason that you're a millionaire. If you, This is your job. You yeah. are required as in 
every sport to go and talk to the media. You have to interact with the media. You have to create a brand around the game so everybody can get paid. So stop whining and acting like Anthony Davis gets these questions. LeBron gets these questions. He actually has something to learn from LeBron. No question. Because the biggest issue that LeBron had with the public is that he whined and cried and cried and moaned like he was the victim until he finally and then he figured he, he it fi- out. He figured it out. He figured, he figured it, out. it out that if you're the little kid in the schoolyard who you get a reaction from every single time that you poke them, they're That's just going to poke gonna, you right. over and over and over again. I'm I'm astounded by how little is your agent or your family members, your coach, your teammates is nobody telling you this? Is no one coaching you about how to deal with the media? He's not being asked things that other players in the NBA aren't being asked. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Kyle Lowry, where are we? The regular season? It's a regular season game. Kyrie Irving, ask me on July 1st. Ask me and, on and July whoa, 1st. Whoa, whoa. Kyrie Irving has also made some missteps in terms of what he does and does not say to the media, but it's not the same kind of thing as it's KD. Not, it's, it's not, not the same. It's not holding and microphone Ky- and being, however, I don't trust, however, I don't trust Kyrie, none of Kyrie is still a hypocrite. None of Kyrie is still a hypocrite for saying it's a distraction because a lot of the things that uh, he has said has made the people ask him more questions. If, if I were either of them, if I were either Kyrie or Kevin Durant, I would take a, a page out of two Seattle Seahawks' books. One, ex-Seahawk and great running back Marshawn Lynch, who would just <laughs> – there's that press conference where he just said, I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful. I didn't see that. I or in the know. Super Bowl where he said, I'm only I'm here so, so I won't get, get fined. fined. I'm only yeah. here so I don't get fined. Exactly. God bless Marshawn yeah. Lynch forever. Uh and you can take that approach, and that is hilarious. And people will, you know, maybe they'll crap on you for it, but they're not going to – it's just that's one way to deal with it. Or you go the Russell Wilson approach, and Russell Wilson just is – is just speaks in – I'd like to thank Jesus. He, for, he, like, just, he just speaks like, in Jesus every single bland, boring <laughs> sports cliche you can possibly say. He's the worst – not the – like the, the, the most uh, 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 cliched interview that you could possibly have – and that's that's just that. I thank Jesus for dating and, Sierra. I thank you, Jesus for having Pete Carroll in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and I love watching Russell Wilson play quarterback. And I don't. I know that he's just going to say boring things, and that's fine. And that's just what he does. And that allows him to just go and play football. Yeah, but there was there was a point in time where Kyrie Irving was getting interviewed, and he did something smart, which a lot of players should think about about their own situation, which is relating to their contracts is just realizing that the way that their contract or what the, however their situation is structured, there's a really easy way to present your situation and what's you, what you are very obviously going to do. And I'll use Kyrie Irving as an example. Somebody asked him, oh, what are you going to do in the offseason? Are you going to sign an extension with Boston? And he's like, yeah. Playing with the Boston Celtics would be great, but do you think that I'm going to throw away $50 million for no reason? No. I'm not going to do anything until July 1st, 2019, and then I'm going to sign a mass contract so I can get paid as much money as I possibly can. And whether or not that's going to be with the Celtics or not is well, this- a question that you can ask him, but no one has any mystery left whatsoever what Kyrie Irving is going to do. He's going to wait until July 1st so he can sign a max deal, and then he's going to make a decision. So it takes away some of the of the the knee, the the required needling of the media to be like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And he do? says, ask me July 1st. But therefore, he should not say in October, I'm re-signing with the Celtics. You can't do that and then say, ask me July 1st. 
You, you yeah. know, right now you can't yada 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 that. Like that's a tough look. That's a tough look. I'm not disagreeing with you, but that's not also the point that I'm making. I'm making the point you don't have to act like a child every time that you have to talk to the media and act like you're the victim of this great scheme against Kevin Durant. You just make yourself the enemy and you make yourself the... One quick point that I wanted to mention about Kevin Durant that you alluded to because I dislike him so much. Can you imagine if if you're 10 years old and you go to school and you go to recess with your best friend and the biggest bully in the schoolyard comes over to you and says, I'm going to beat the shit out of the two of you right now. And you and your friend are like, okay, fine. And you fight this bully and the you end up getting in a the two of you end up getting in a brawl with this bully and you end up losing but you put up a fight and you and your friend your best friend can you know hold your head up high that you didn't back down you didn't run away that you stood up to the bully and then instead the next day the bully says i'm going to get in a fight with you guys and you, are you look you look over at your friend and you go you know what I'm not going to stick up for you anymore. I'm just going to join the bully side, and now we're going to beat the shit out of you. And then after you and the bully beat the shit out of the kid that used to be your best friend, you stand there, look at me, holding your NBA trophy, being like, look how good I am at basketball. That's the definition of a soft boy. And that's I just that's the only point that I'm going to make. I just – I can't – I don't. I know you want don't want to go down this rabbit hole with me, but like, you can't. You can't justify Kevin Durant's existence on the Golden State Warriors. You just can't do it. I don't think he's that great of. A, he's he's a talented basketball player, but it takes more than that to win championships. And that's he. Golden okay. State Warriors. This is this is this is something that I've talked about on the podcast a lot. I, I'm not going to dwell on it very much. I think that when that best friend is Russell Westbrook, that complicates things. <laughs> I do. I think it complicates things when that best friend is Russell Westbrook. Anyway, uh, I, I want to – this actually leads into something that I have been thinking about uh, as, it, as it pertains to LeBron. Because Le, over the last couple weeks – Rich Paul, LeBron's friend, and both his uh, uh, his agent and Anthony Davis's agent has said that Anthony Davis wants to get traded. He has said he wants to get traded to the Lakers. They have tried to force the Pelicans' hand. They've tried to offer deals. They've debated with themselves. It has uh, uh, it has clearly had an effect on the rest of the Lakers and the young players that are there. Uh, they lost by forty two to the Pacers the other night. They are playing the Celtics tonight, which I am fascinated by. I think they're going to get. I think the Celtics are going to wax them. I do. Is LeBron playing tonight? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. And the since he joined the Miami Heat in 2010 by announcing it on an ESPN televised uh, uh, program called The Decision, he has been the center of the NBA media circus pretty much. And it has had an effect on the way the media covers the NBA based on what LeBron has done over his career. He has handled it remarkably well he embraced the role as the villain initially and then he won a couple of championships with wade and bosh and then he went back to cleveland and he went to and he's made the finals eight straight years while being the center of this circus and every single year there's drama with the coach there's drama with his uh co-stars there's drama with the role players it's it's he's sometimes gotten a share of the blame a lot of times coaches and his teammates have gotten blamed and I just have to say that it may end up being the difference between him being regarded as the greatest basketball player of all time or not. When you think about all 
the ancillary things that come with Le- LeBron James being on your team for the majority of your career. All the and that both the Heat after four years and then the Cavs after four years, their organizations, top to bottom, were exhausted from having LeBron on their team. And doubly, that I am trying to sit here and think of a player who, because LeBron in a vacuum makes his teammates better. He can take a group of ragtag guys to the NBA Finals. But in terms of a player developing while LeBron is his teammate, I can't really think of a guy. I can't really think of a guy who, over the course of several several years as LeBron's teammate, developed as a player into into a much much better player. Really? And I can't think of that guy. You and and and, and just for starters, you know far more than I do about the NBA. But that's I'm kind of surprised so to hear you say the, something in, like that because I'm going to make you defend that immediately. Yeah, yeah. Explain to me how from his first NBA game. Yeah. To hitting the winning three in Game Seven of the Finals, that Kyrie Irving didn't have any kind of development Ky- to his game whatsoever. I think some people forget sometimes there was a point at the beginning of his rookie season where you realized where oh okay Kyrie Irving's a pretty good basketball player. Then there was a point where when the Celtics got blown out by the Cavs in the Eastern <laughs> Conference Finals, <laughs> Kyrie Irving just didn't miss. <laughs> like you start looking at him and you're like. I haven't seen anybody dribble a basketball like that in 10 years. And then he would take pull-up fadeaways from the baseline, and he just wouldn't miss. And then all of a sudden, you're just sitting there, like, with your head turned at the TV, and you're like, what? Like, I I just... So, by the time uh, uh, LeBron joined Cleveland, went back home, that, a couple months previous to that, unless I'm wrong, I'm just, this is me off top here, Kyrie had won All-Star Game MVP earlier in that year. He had been an All-Star already. He was he was already, an, like, just a walking bucket by the time LeBron got there. And it is a credit to Kyrie that he was able to be the Robin to LeBron's Batman. And that uh, LeBron certainly didn't, he encouraged Kyrie to go get buckets. He didn't say, hey, this is my team, you gotta defer to me. Uh, he was like, let's 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 do this together. Let's both go get a bunch of buckets. As exemplified by Game 5 of the 2016 Finals when they're down 3-1, Draymond suspended. They each have 41 in Golden State. Yeah. And an incredible performance. But I don't think that LeBron being on the team made Kyrie develop any differently. And I guess, I guess that is just a preposterous thing to sit here and say that I'm... I'm such this this is what happens when we're trying to debate whether you're the greatest basketball player of all time. They would debate things like this, like did your teammates develop while you were their teammate? Because at the very least, Scottie Pippen and uh, uh, Michael Jordan grew as teammates together from the time Scottie Pippen was drafted uh, and joined the Bulls, and then together the two of them reached pushed each other to being Hall of Famers and and great players. I don't think LeBron he had he had Wade and Bosh join him, and they learned how to coalesce. And it's a credit to Bosch that Bosch changed his game kind of completely as as they went on and became the Heatles and won a couple titles. And I just don't... And, and now it seems like the development of these young guys, of Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram, they just haven't gotten better over the course of the season the way you might expect young players to do month to month because the, uh, the learning curve when you're that young is kind of month to month. And they all seem like their confidence is shot, and Luke Luke Walton doesn't seem like he has control of the locker room anymore. And it's 
the incredible thing about LeBron is that for the Miami years and for the Cleveland years, and Kevin Love has talked about how insanely hard it was to be LeBron's teammate and and the fact that it was worth it, that he got you to the promised land each time, that he got the teams to the finals eight years in a row. That's well, that, I mean, that's that's one argument you can make, but I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and put Kevin Love as number two with Kevin Durant on the all time all time <laughs> all time soft boy team. So what? I don't I don't That's really, super unfair to Kevin Love. I don't super care. Unfair. I don't care. Kevin Love's another whiny bitch. Stop the presses. I'm gonna defend LeBron James for a little bit. <laughs> I don't I don't really wanna hear the NBA is far more of an ego-driven league more than other sports, in my opinion. Yeah. And I can't sit here and attack LeBron James for implementing his own brand of basketball everywhere he goes. Yep. Because LeBron James is so much smarter than every other player on his team yep. that basically you need to get with the program or you need to get the fuck out. And by the time you get to your 7th or 8th NBA Finals in a row... When you're J.R. Smith, you better shut the fuck up and start paying attention because either you're going to be on another team or you're going to be on the bench because this team is going to the NBA Finals. And I think Kyrie Irving is, over the past two years, is starting to learn a lot about what more... If you want to win and you want to continue sustained success in the playoffs, what more is required of you when you're the best player on the team? Mm -hmm. I think... Kyrie Irving was laboring under the delusion when he left the Cavaliers that he could go somewhere else and be happy being the best player on the team, but not having to deal with that villainous aspect of being the leader who goes around and tells guys flat out, this is what you're going to do. This is what you're not going to do. I'm the leader of this team and I'm making decisions out on the floor. I don't, I think at the beginning he didn't want that. I didn't think he, I think oftentimes he shows a a reluctance to take on that that mantle for the team but mm. therein lies the difference of LeBron understands that LeBron understands that he has to be the bad guy to guys who don't want to get in line because there are plenty of guys who don't want to get in line on every team and it's the same because it's if it's in the NFL I got to get my catches and my touchdowns for my signing bonus I got to get however many points per game so I can sign a contract with the next team, whatever that is. And if you're going to sustain success in the playoffs, you have to have leaders that are going to push all that shit out the window and say, look, you've just, this is what it is and this is what we're going to do. And so of the many things that I dislike about LeBron, that's not really one of the things that I necessarily blame him for or... And he has his own goals. His goals are to win. Everywhere he go, he just wants to win. And are you going to argue with the results? I mean... It's, I, 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 I make this point as an observation because this is... I, I, I love LeBron. And I, I did not used to. And it's been an incredible thing to watch him grow up in real time. I remember being a kid and... Shut up. And I... And, <laughs> shut up. Don't make farty noses on my podcast. Um, <laughs> that I remember... Reading that SI article where he's the chosen one and he's got the ball in his hand and he's pointing at the camera in 2002 when I was nine. And watching him be under the microscope more than any other, really any other athlete I've ever seen that's not that's not an international soccer player. Um, <laughs> right? Okay, that's, I got, that's a caveat we have to make. Okay. Um, that he, he, 
watching him mature into the ambassador, the like number one ambassador for the NBA is a great thing. But it, when, when we're debating about whether he's the best or second best player of all time, because I think that's where we're at. He's either the best or second best basketball player ever. I, I, I don't think there's any other like thing there. That's, that's just it. He's either one or two. And then I think he'll end up the totality of all the stats that he's going to put up. I think he'll end up being number one. And you'll say, I w- I'd like, I'll take LeBron over the course of his career versus the 14 great years that Michael had. Um, yeah, I think Michael, I think people forget how good the Bulls were at playing defense. So I think people talk about Scottie Pippen a little bit too much, where he, uh, I think it was more general. The Bulls played pretty unbelievable defense. And. Again, you know, Michael's Michael, but he has he has six championships, and I think that Michael was a more was unquestionably a more skilled basketball player. I don't want to get into the debate of the fact that LeBron is one of the most freakish, freakishly <laughs> athletic human beings that's ever lived. I'm actually going to lobby for more sounds on the podcast. We got to get like more a sound, sounds, yeah, a soundboard, t- Toucher and Rich style, not, but not a, not a, not a f- <laughs> I don't like a farting sound. I just hate LeBron James, so I'm just gonna. I I I, I really I really I really. Uh, Inc- More hate in sports. There, no, less hate. Less hate. I don't. I don't really have a hateful bone in my body unless I just lost a Mario Kart. You know, like I'm you know a, this. I'm aware. You're well aware, I'm aware that that I don't have hate except at myself for losing. That's the like I I can't hate anybody except for Mitch McConnell. We'll get that. We'll get to that. We'll you get, know, we'll get it's to always that. At the end. <laughs> it's, it's always, always at, at the, the end. end. Uh, and and I look forward to seeing what happens with this Lakers team because the trade deadline has passed. Anthony Davis is still a New Orleans Pelican. He is not. He was not Shocking. traded today. Shocking. He is not traded today. The Lakers, I think, maybe now for Ingram and Ball and Kuzma and all the other guys on that team, that a weight is going to be lifted off their shoulders. Uh, they did trade Zubac and Beasley for somebody. Uh, I forget. It, doesn't mean but, LeVar Ball is going to go away now. What? I hope it means LeVar Ball <laughs> will go back Mom, into hiding. Is the bad man going to go away? <laughs> uh, but... He, I'm interested to see what he does with the this Lakers team. Does he is he going to try and push them into the playoffs and really make them try and have some playoff reps? Who's or available is he besides sh- Anthony Davis? What do you mean? In the well, f- I know it's the end of the trade deadline, but now right. Anthony Davis is, is not going to go to the Lakers. You know that he's not going to go to. the That's Lakers. not true. He still might go there this summer. Uh huh. We don't know. If I was a New Orleans Pelicans fan and I saw the ownership group of the Pelicans say we're going to do whatever it takes to win a championship in this city and are there not two to three teams that can easily offer uh, a better I, the, package the Celtics than, can offer a better package and uh the Clippers if uh, and having, I'm not saying having, the Celtics are willing to trade Tatum because that's they may not be their, but I personally would if I were going to start a basketball team, I would rather have one Jason Tatum than three of Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, and Lonzo Ball. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, Jimmy, that was that was that was a long that was a long one. I think we did I think we did a good job today. I am all potted out except for we just except for fifty minutes. I forgot what it says. We have to talk about James Harden. I forgot. Okay, I forgot. We have to quickly talk about James Harden because I think most people have accepted the fact that James Harden's uh, individual scoring streak is. A, unbelievably impressive, and B, not conducive to making a deep playoff run. What say you? Well, I'll get through this quickly because I started having a conversation with this about this with you before. In our pre-production meeting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so beware of the ESPN highlight reel and the way that it makes you think about a player 
because again, I don't I don't watch a ton of Lakers games, which is why I didn't I don't have a ton of technical advice to offer this discussion, nor do I watch a ton of Rockets games either. But what I do see, I see a ton of James Harden on SportsCenter burying fadeaway threes with a defender in his face from like 40 feet away. And you watch those over and over and over again, and you must think to yourself, oh my God, James Harden is the greatest shooter that's ever lived. I've never seen somebody hit shots like this before. But I was sitting with my roommate on the couch and we were doing this. I just was I was curious who were the best three-point shooters in the NBA were. And he's, he's not even in the top 40. He's shooting, he's not even the he's top, shooting like, a tick under 37%. I think 36.8%. I believe like it's that. lower than that. I could be wrong. We don't have to look. Well, you could look <laughs> it up right now if you want the time while I talk. Go for it. Go ahead. But um, he's not the world's greatest shooter and he 37.5% which yeah. is, is, a tick, is a tick over league average is, is decent yeah. the reason why James Harden is drop, dropping 30 points a game for 25 games in a row and every single time you turn on the TV he's dropping 45 on some scrubby team is because he at minimum goes to the line 15 times a game and so when you start talking about modern scoring streaks comparatively to the guys that used to drop 35, 36 a game, even late 90s, 2000s. First, you can't even compare those those scoring numbers to... James, James it, Harden is shooting 11.6 free throws per game. He's shooting 11.6 per game. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. And so... Yeah. yeah, there you go. Compare, compare. So we're gonna oh, riveting to, podcast radio here. Yeah, exactly. So I, you want you want to compare that to compared to Michael Jordan, who attempted eleven point nine the year he averaged thirty seven. He attempted eleven point nine free throws a game. Sure, the so, best players yeah. in the best go to, seasons go to the line. Go to the line the most, and I think it's Period. easier. I think it's easier than ever to go to the line in the NBA. Mm. Well, see that now there is. Well, that's why I was asking you about you the make. Celtics game the other day because when they were somebody went to I think it was Westbrook went under the basket and did a reverse layup, and Jason Tatum stuck out his hand and like s- gently swiped his hand across <laughs> uh, across James Harden and the, or not James Harden across excuse me Westbrook. Russell Russell Westbrook and they just they gave him an and one for it and you're just sitting there burying your head in your hands and you're like oh okay sure I guess I guess that constitutes a foul. But it does. Yeah. It does constitute a foul. Oh, jeez. Okay. The, they right. certainly call uh, fewer fouls uh, in the paint and more fouls on jump shots, and that's really frustrating. And with James Harden, when he flails around out there and gets a call when he's shooting a three, that's super frustrating. Yeah. It is not fun. I'm also not entirely sure about the... What are you not entirely sure about? About the strategy of... When you ever watch a guy when you, when people shoot threes and they shoot the three while they jump into the defender and you're kind of like oh. they've they've done better they've done better about calling that about less. not calling yes that. they've okay. done better about calling Fair an enough. offensive foul when a guy's intentionally trying to initiate the contact yeah yeah sure they've done better not not perfect but better the last thing we'll say one last thing before we get out of here is that this is also because Chris Paul and uh, Clint Capello, the second and third best players in the Rockets, were hurt. They're not there, so they that right. So there, so therefore, it is it behooves the Rockets to have James Harden be the super high usage player. They were below below five hundred. Now they are above, you know, 10, 12 games above five hundred, and in a playoff position. And if they get those guys back, 
they could be dangerous and make a yeah. Big so playoff you know run. that again, not that I'm I'm sitting here trying to like minimize Michael Jordan's season either. But then it <laughs> it looks like a pretty well. Again, we've only looked at two players here, but I would imagine <laughs> if you look at some of the highest scoring seasons of all time, I would imagine they're probably going to the line between 10, 10 and 13 times right. a game. So that that's where your points come from. One last thing One that last must thing. be mentioned before we what must be before mentioned before we left this past Saturday. Our basketball team won its first Yay! game this season. Right up top, yes. Uh, AJ Rose, a double double machine, putting up twenty and ten again. <laughs> I have to admit because you you're such a gangly man, and just watching you on the offensive glass, just jumping up guys over and over and over again, just grabbing the ball. I think there was one time where you must have tipped, tipped the ball it like up six to yourself times. six times when you finally grab it. And is it amusing? It's amusing. It is amusing. It kind, you kind of look like a like a seal with a beach ball. <laughs> Sometimes you're just out there like. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not a leaper, but, but yeah, we won. We won, and I I played terribly, but That's AJ good. had a great game. Duran had a great game, and the uh, the terrible tornado Dan he had a great game too. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the story about the week that I didn't show up. So I heard I heard that story. Uh, I it feels good, it's, guys. Don't beef with the ref, man. Just respect the ref. Don't, like, I, when you play sports, just respect the referee. Or just, and if you're all, and if you're me, say. when you drain a corner three, you actually <laughs> run up to the ref and demand that they dap you yeah. up. <laughs> for sure. Uh, thank you for that. Shimmy, uh, I think we did it well. This was a long 56 one. 56 minutes. 56 is minutes is, is a nice long pod for I congratulate all you NBA you and NFL if fans. If you get through it a lot. <laughs> if you get through the whole thing, I mean to say. That's going to do it for us for this episode. As always, you can listen to all episodes of Fighting Fire with Fire at soundcloud.com slash fighting fire with fire. Fuck Mitch You McConnell. can listen. You can, <laughs> we were going to get I, there. I just jumped the gun. I just jumped the gun. I wanted to say it so bad. I was like sitting on the edge of my seat and I was like, fuck him, fuck him, fuck him. <laughs> You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and on Spotify. And uh, you can follow us at The AJ Rose Show on Twitter or on Instagram. Email us, ajroshow at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The AJ Rose Show. For Alex Jamino, I'm AJ Rose. Fuck Mitch McConnell. Fuck him. And we will see you guys. You practiced that. You really got that end of of podcast. (laughs) End of podcast (laughs) shaped down. Pretty solid. See you guys. Bye.